Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza, welcoming Chris Anderson. Chris, the sky may still be falling. It may all be because of football, but I bring you good news today. Are you ready? I am ready. We've covered West Virginia's basketball offseason in depth, in detail. We've been on top of right with, sometimes just slightly behind, every major move, and there's been a lot of them. West Virginia, I, I jotted this down as I was going through all the expansion notes the other day, so pretty sure I was right. West Virginia ranked ninth in the preseason poll. Oh, wait a second. Not ninth in the country. Ninth in the 24-7 sports Big 12 preseason power rankings. Yikes. That's tough. I think we can agree this team will be better than next year. We might not agree on the ceiling, the potential, the explanation for some of the acquisitions. But I think we can agree it's been a productive offseason. And a lot of other people agree, too. It could be Evan Miyakawa. It could be our very own 24-7 sports analysts. There's only 10 teams in the Big 12 right now, Chris, and eight of them are expected to be better than West Virginia, only one worse. And it's hard to disagree with Kansas State bringing up the rear here, but I'm not asking you to debate the number nine spot, but just put in perspective what this league has accomplished, what this league will be like in the upcoming season where a school like West Virginia, which can do what it did, has a Hall of Fame coach, has some talent, is penciled in to be ninth in a July power ranking. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Um, but I think that's just how tough this league is going to be because if you take this into account and you look into, because again, it's the way it looks at the, that kind of seven, eight, nine range. It sounds like from these rankings and I'm putting words in, in, in our guy's mouth here, um, Isaac Trotter, that is uh, it, like, they're pretty even. And he kind of starts it out with like, it's, it's hard for him to, really put West Virginia this low, but <clears throat> he just sees so many different pieces, so many new new faces and stuff, which, hey, that's understandable. But the Big 12 is going to be tough, and he's not the only one that thinks that. Every like, There is not a person out there that isn't at least considering the idea of the Big 12 having eight teams in the NCAA tournament next year. I mean, the season hasn't even started yet, so like, slow down a little bit, I guess, but you go around and you look at the bracketologies and the power rankings and everything like that. And I mean, Joe Lenardi, I think has, has seven firmly in like not even close to, uh, you know, number seven being out. And then their number eight team is Iowa state, which is part of the first four out. Um, and by the way, West Virginia, not part of the, that seven that's firmly in. So hmm. he also has West Virginia, uh, presumably ninth. Cause again, I think we all kind of agree that Kansas state's going to be 10. Um, but you just roll through all the bracketology, all the projections, and and 
the Big 12 is looking like it's going to be the best conference in basketball next season. Yeah, again. It's hard. To, it's, I'm just looking at some of the numbers here that we'll get into, and it's boy, it's hard to imagine making an argument against what they've done, but also hard to imagine them playing like 18 games with this schedule here too. Um, you could make, you could you could swap the summary paragraph for West Virginia and change the names for a lot of the Big 12 teams, don't you think? Yeah, I was just like you look at Oklahoma, for instance, two spots ahead in the power rankings. They lost two of their best players mm-hmm. to transfer in Gibson and Harkless. But then they also replaced them with two guys in Sherfield and Bamasile. Am I pronouncing that right? I have Correct. no idea. Um, but two high-scoring guards from from sh- smaller conference schools um, that they're replacing it with. So are they going to be good? Maybe. Are they going to translate well to the Big 12? Maybe. Um, they were pretty good where they were before, so it, it's tough to tell. You can make them in that six, seven, eight, nine range and have probably a little argument from anybody here, too. Um, we'll put the link up with this podcast here so you can take a look at it and follow along and go look at it. But let's quickly go through this and just see like how they're doing this. You're building your one, two, obviously, on Baylor, Kansas. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that or anybody would do it differently. One of those in July, that's going to be one, that's going to be two. Um, Baylor lost a lot, had a good roster coming back, and did pretty well in the portal. Kansas, similar explanation there too um really good freshman class coming in good returning players and got a, a couple pieces in the portal then then honestly chris it does kind of get tricky um texas are we sure yeah I, I that felt high to me uh losing some of the guys they did and um i don't know i mean they got a lot of talent they're a team that i feel like at least especially the last couple years i i look at them and i look at the individual players and uh, I think to myself, this team should be, should be competing for the Big 12 title. And they're kind of around sometimes and kind of not. So now that I see them in, in the number three spot, I, I wonder if maybe that's too high or that's exactly where they should be based off the talent I think they have. Yeah, great backcourt. Potentially Marcus Card, Tyrese Hunter. They get Timmy Allen back, don't forget. Um, really good freshman there too. And then like, all right, those are the three big names, obviously. And then like it gets very, very interesting. TCU is four. Um, do not sleep on TCU. There are only three teams in the Big 12 that return 50% of their um, points from last year. Okay. Do you know the three teams? Well, I'm assuming one's TCU. Correct. Kansas? One is Texas. Oh, I'm Texas. sorry. Go ahead. Kansas. and I, Well, now I'm going to say Texas. Well, Texas. Yeah, I ruined that one. Yeah. Uh, Texas returns 56.3. Oklahoma State returns 57.5. TC returns 92%. And that was was an NCAA team that got good last year, too. Uh, Damian Ball sticks around. They still have Mike Miles, who might get some preseason player of the year pub. O'Bannon's back. Lampkin's back. Manny Miller's back. Um, Okay in the portal. Have some young players, but just a ton of continuity. But Jamie Dixon's team is the fourth best in the Big 12? I don't know. We'll see. And then, like, your bottom half, Texas Tech, five. Oklahoma State, I don't know. We'll see. Six. Oklahoma, seven. You're, and you're just going down the list here. Iowa State's eight. West Virginia, nine. Kansas State, ten. The top two, for sure. Three, you might raise your eyebrow about. Four, you start to think about, wait a minute. TCU's four. This really could be an upside-down season. So, yeah, if a lot of these teams do not have half or more of their production back, then, sure, West Virginia is a little bit different because their numbers, they have by far the least returning production of the Big 12. Um 
but why can't they have turned it over? So that's that's the hope you have right there is that they hit more than they missed, that they got the the acquisitions right, and that they got the addition uh, as far as like characteristics the way they want to play right. Maybe they just do a better job rebuilding than some of these other teams that are also rebuilding. Everybody lost players. Everybody lost players by the just by the fact of how many schools do not have half of their points back. Just three out of ten. Kind of need points, Chris. Um, so if you're one of those seven teams that's trying to find 50% or more of your points, if you just do a better job, you can move from ninth to fourth. So it's a weird number for sure, but it's not the end of the world. Um, again, it just kind of it matters not what you think about their roster right now in July. And I've said it before. You kind of have to turn your head and squint to see what West Virginia did and say, I get it. That makes sense. But if you can get there, you can see a situation where it does work out for them. And I think the same is true of a lot of other Big 12 teams, which makes this really interesting because you're going to have you're going to have teams scrapping for 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 wins at home on the road, um, and you know in February in March trying to get postseason positioning. This is going to be brutal again, I think. Well, I'm still writing down more points equals good, right? Again, that's on my notes when I was catching up on expansion. I might be wrong. I had the ninth in the country. It was ninth in the Big 12. That's my fault, guys. I, I did, did not get the lead right there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with I, everything we're saying here. Like, it's just, it, it's kind of wild to look at this Big 12. And, and again, we're, we're having this podcast, and, and this isn't, uh, oh, my God, can you believe Isaac put West Virginia ninth? Let's look at this from a, a non-Morgantown perspective here. The team that finished dead last in the conference last year then lost the vast majority of their players and is adding a bunch of new pieces is now picked to finish ninth. Does that sound more, you know, you know, does that make more sense to everybody? I mean, that's a good perspective, right? Was that too negative for, for this podcast? No, but I think that's right. I think it's where you look at. And that's the point I was going to make too, is that they're replacing a ton and they have to get it right. And, and it didn't, it didn't go right last year too. Yeah. So that's a that's a huge what if. Like, what if it happens again? Yeah, I mean, then you have some problems, too. Uh, let's get out with this real quick. Um, you and I know some people, and some of the people we know know some people. We have not been inside the practice facility. We, we've kind of gotten inside the practice facility, right? Heard a couple things. Heard a couple things. What are some things you heard? We can trade some notes here. Some intel. What are you hearing? <laughs> well, I'm hearing that. Uh, Toussaint and Stevenson, two of the most competitive guys that have really come through. And it's really helping up that backboard because Keedy, you know, for whatever you think of him as is as a player, also extremely competitive. So if you have those three guys back there kind of spearheading your uh, your attitude, your mentality, we've seen how that can change things for your program when you have those type of leaders that can help do that. So I think that's a good step forward. Um, Trey Mitchell. Positive things so far. Positive things. I, I'm interested to see how he's used and how the lineup gets used. We've talked about that before. You know, is it going to be a too big situation with him at the four and someone else at the five? Um, sounds like it. But we'll see. What do you got? Yeah, Tucson, a lot of fun to play with. Um, and the word fun was interesting to me because you could probably watch West Virginia's backcourt some number of the past few years. Be like, this doesn't look like it's a lot of fun. Um and there's a whole movement in basketball about like, listen, give your two or your three the point guard duties because you want your best player with the ball a whole lot. Um, I'm not sure that's actually ever really applied to West Virginia in the past, except for Deuce McBride. And that's a pretty good example to have there. But a lot of people think you got to have a point guard who has the ball and makes things happen. And if you don't have that star player who can be a two or three and control the ball a whole lot, 
you want to have somebody who could be a want to do it. And if that guy is Toussaint, who's fun to play with, that means, you know, he's taking outlet passes and running. He's getting the ball and running. Um, I've heard he's very fast from side to side, and he loves to pass the ball. Um, man, there could be a great thing on the perimeter if guys get just like step-in shots. And how many times have we seen shooters, people we define as shooters, getting the ball late in the possession or in a bad spot or just shooting because it's my turn to shoot because I haven't had a shot in a while. If your point guard can distribute a little bit, I think you're going to be okay. And then Stevens, I've just heard, is a great basketball player. Uh, just does an upgrade from McNeil. Um, as pure shooter, I don't know. But McNeil was a pretty one-dimensional shooter and maybe just one-dimensional player. Uh, Stevenson, like Toussaint, likes to play defense, likes to pass. Again, this is a guy who led his team in assists last year and, and shot the ball okay, too. So his defense, his his uh, ways to score, I think, are a little bit more of a uh, improvement upon the pass than we've seen, too. And then Matthews, I guess, has maybe like rehabilitated his shot a little bit and is getting it from different spots. That's encouraging. And, yeah, just heard the same things on Mitchell. Like, good attitude, refreshed, you know, a fresh start for him maybe for the first time. Texas didn't go perfectly for him, but now he's got a second chance to make that first impression. That'll be good. But we've only named four people, Chris, because I keep getting this. We, we spent a podcast on the starting five. I think four names are pretty solid here. No matter who they play, I, I wonder about the concept of a starting four um, or a finishing four. And then that fifth player is kind of dependent upon the opponent or what West Virginia intends to do or, or is going well. Like all of a sudden if they're on a hot streak shooting, maybe start three guards. If their defense is really good, maybe they play big inside or long on the perimeter. If they're playing a team that's huge, perhaps they start a, a center, uh, probably big Mo. But if they're playing a team that's guard-oriented, perhaps they start Keydrian Johnson here, too. What do you think of a starting four concept? Um, that's fine. I I, I don't know Luke, if they're going to— I, I do. No, 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 no. I do agree that it's four. And that's what yeah. I think when you and I both did our our starting fives, I think— I, I know I did, and I think you did, too. Like, had two separate starting fives, but both starting fives had these four. Or maybe, no, I think I had two— I had Keedy instead of Tucson and had mm-hmm. Tucson as my sixth man. But then if it went three guards, he was in there um, just because I think, as I mentioned, like in my eyes, I think it's best if maybe your sixth man is still one of your best five, to, not your first or second best player, but your third, fourth or fifth best player should be your sixth man so that you have something coming off the bench. Um, sorry, getting sidetracked here, but I don't think they're going to switch it to start. I think it's going to come back to my theory on on the closing five that, you know, I went with a few years back starting five, who knows what it'll be. I mean, I have some ideas and I don't think it's as important as what the, the closing five is. And I do believe though that the closing five is going to be a little more versatile um, than in years past. I think there's going to be a little more movement, kind of what you're mentioning here about, they can go big, they can go small, they can go two bigs, uh, three, three guards, multiple wings, whatever it is, look you want to give. I think that closing five, is not going to be as set in stone. I think there's going to be a closing four right here, the four that we just mentioned, plus whatever they need. Could be a pretty deep team, by the way. Maybe. I mean, you have, I mean, points, size, maybe defense there. Like, I mean, again, just a whole bunch of different tourniquets you can throw on a team. And um, I just see from the very beginning, they did not want to be a team that got pitched and holding to something they didn't want to be. I feel like last year they got stuck in lineups or starting lineups because of performance and the fact that nobody 
Nobody could grab that brass ring, I guess. I hate that cliche, but nobody could do it. They got a, a fairly evenly grouped roster, I think, here. Um, old guys, young guys, people who want a spot because they were here, and people who want a spot because they just got here. That can be good. Uh, it's a chemistry experiment for sure. It's got to go better than it did last year. But, man, they get the ingredients right, and they, they spin in the right direction. could be a deep, productive roster. They can play a bunch of different ways. But in some eyes, um, better than only one other team in the Big 12. We'll find out, huh? Will. Good to take a detour on the basketball road away from expansion and talk about good things like the ninth-ranked team <laughs> in the Big 12. And as far as the power poll in July goes, uh, who knows what it's worth. But I think, as you said, Chris, it's a pretty good explanation about where they're coming from. Worst team in the Big 12 last year. Worst team. Um, and we kind of disagree with them being ninth, which means they've probably done really well. But a lot of um, a lot of stones ahead of them if they want to get to the other side of the river here because they do not want to be 16 and 17 out of the postseason again, but they have some work to do. And this is a pretty good indication of how how much work the Big 12 has done to compete against itself and, and you know, back-to-back national champions. That, um, that's that's kind of a wake-up call for you, and especially in the transfer portal era, recruiting era. A lot of schools did their work in the summer. West Virginia, one of them. We'll see, see how good it was. Anything else to add, sir? That is it for now. I, I mean, I'm excited about this team. I think there's years where you kind of feel like you know what's going on. Some years you don't. This year, I I, I guess I don't, like, and in, in a good way. Like, I mean, I, they're – <laughs> there are guys on this team that have the potential to make this a 25 win team. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you get to 25 wins, then this, then Bob Huggins deserves all the credit in the world because yeah. you are towing together all of these pieces from all of these places with very little connection to each other. And so I think the talent is there, but boy, is it going to be tough to kind of make it all mesh and work just that quickly. And the schedule's a rock tumbler too. Oh boy. Like yeah. by the time they get to the Big Twelve, they they could be they could be discouraged or they could be ready to go. We'll see because they did not take a break in the non-conference. So um that'll be here before you know it. Workouts going on now. Things are leaking out. Always good news, I guess. You know, um I haven't heard the thing yet, Chris, but I have heard that the ball is going through the basket quite a bit from the perimeter too. But I don't want to say it. But I heard that that's been a pleasant surprise as well. But I'm not going to jinx it because everybody expects me to go that route. But we'll, we'll check back in on that in October. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you next time.